Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Welcome, great to have you with us on this Wednesday, News Radio 1070 WKOK. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. It's a great time to buy. Fall is always a great time to buy. And look at the great product lines. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. You know, maybe pre-owned inventory, either maybe you like it, or maybe it's the uh, budget says, yeah, it's the route I have to go. You're not going to get a better selection of pre-owned inventory than at Sunbury Motors. Fabulous service department as well. Remember, routine maintenance is critical, and they can do all that and much more. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motor Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Uh, we know about the Tennessee Titans situation with uh, three players. One of them is Daquan Jones, the former Nittany Lion, on the COVID list. Uh, but they seem bound to determine that they want to play the game between the Steelers and the Titans sometime this weekend, whether it's Sunday or Monday remains to be seen. Same story with Houston and Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota, has, to our knowledge, has not had anybody test positive, uh, but they also are not in their facility right now either. It doesn't mean they don't have alternatives because they do. But we, you know, we'll stay obviously on on top of that story. And the NBA Finals begins tonight between Miami and the Lakers. All right, Penn State Football Media Day today. We'll hear from James Franklin later in the show. Earlier, I had a chance to talk with Joe Lorg about special teams. We were able to get into some of the nuts and bolts of what he's seeing so far. Uh, Joe, we've talked about a lot of people. We haven't talked about Jake Pinneger once. What made a difference for him last year when you're talking about 49 and a half and in? You know, I, I was really proud of, of Jake's uh, numbers last year. You know, he jumped almost 30% with, with his, uh, you know, field goal-making percentage. And, and really, I think it was a, a confidence thing. Uh, I think he would tell you it was also a competition thing. You know, we, we brought Jordan Stout in here, and, and it really, just like any position, when, when, you're a, when you're around, you know, other great players at your position and you're having to compete every single day for your job, I, I, think, I think it makes you better, you know. And, and I, know, I know Jake's told me that, and, and then once he kind of got going and got on that role, he just got he just got confident. And once you have that confidence, um, you know it, it just carries over. And then you know you can't. We were talking about it earlier. You can't take away from the value of, of Chris Stoll with his snaps always being right on point. You know Blake Gillikin was the holder, and those guys just had a really good camaraderie. And 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 you know when, when you when you kind of get that and you get that early momentum started early and that confidence started early, it it, it, it oftentimes ends up. You know, leading to good things, which it did for us last season. I know a few times uh, on the golf course this year, I'd be going through and playing, and there's Joe Calcagno, there's Chris Stoll, there's Jake Pendergar, Jordan Stout together. Uh, that camaraderie must mean something in order. To, you know, one of those side things that people don't think about, but they're t- they're a tight group, Joe. Yeah, I would say literally more than every other position because if you think about it, you know, when we go to practice, you know, we have we have. 
three or four, depending on the day, special teams periods out of a 24-period practice. So that leaves 20 periods, right? So in those other 20 periods, those guys are on their own. You know, it, it's obviously organized for them. I, I don't mean they're just doing whatever they want, but they're they're on their own as far as they're – we might be out on the turf, and those guys are in the indoor facility working. And so – and then they live together. You know, there, there is a camaraderie among – the specialists, all the specialist units that I've been around, it's one of the it's one of the number one things that I think is really kind of an overlooked piece of success on teams. Um, and one of the things I'm very conscientious of and careful about when I recruit, you know, I'll tell the guys, it doesn't matter how good the kid is. I want you guys around him, and if you don't like him, or not even if you don't like him, just if he's not a fit in this group, if he if you can't see him being one of your best buddies in the next couple of years, tell me, and we're not going to bring that kid in because that. That camaraderie is really, really important. The return part of it. K.J. Hamler didn't have to field a punt in the Cotton Bowl to have an effect in the game. He gave you 10, 15, 20 yards just by standing back there because they didn't want to kick to him. So what are your options right now that you want to take a close look at in the next uh, couple of weeks to see if you can get that kind of guy back there that you know can at least field it and then, and then have the judgment to make a play for you? Yeah, I mean, obviously KJ's a dynamic player. You know, you know, replacing him is going to be difficult in the sense of, of him. You know, he, there's a reason he was drafted early, and, and I watched him play on Sunday. I mean, he's he's a dynamic, great playmaker. But you know, there, there's other there's guys here that I'm excited about. And part of KJ, part of the beauty of KJ was he was so good. Part of the negative of KJ was he was so good that punters wouldn't punt to him. We we saw very few returnable punts last year because I think people were were literally scared to punt to him. I know I know Memphis was because I talked to their coaches and that was their game plan not to not to punt to him at all but I think in other games he just had it had an, a, a good impact clearly but uh, you know Jahan Dotson's a guy that stands out he's a guy that that had a number of returns last year was very effective um Jaquan Brisker's a guy that we've been looking at at practice that's been really effective Lamont Wade you know Lamont Wade came into my office hey coach you got to watch my high school tape man you give me the rock and watch what happens and, and I did watch his film and immediately put him back there because he is special with the ball in his hands. And then there's a couple young guys. You know, Marquise Wilson did it a bunch in practice last year. I have a lot of confidence in him and uh, a true freshman, Parker Washington, that we're excited about. So I think we've got a bunch of guys that are capable. Um, you know, Jahan's the guy that's got the game experience. So so going into it, uh, I have the most confidence in him. But, you know, it's something that we work on every day. We chart it every day. Um, and I think we have a number of guys that, that are that are going to continue to be you know dynamic playmakers back there. I mean, obviously it's a very loose word, but how important is it for a punt returner to have a feel for what's going on around them? Well, it's critical, and it's something that's really hard to coach. And we're we're different here in that I don't I tell the team like when we talk about punt return, I don't say we're going to lead the the country in block kicks or we're going to lead the country in punt return yardage or the Big Ten in punt return yardage. That's awesome if we do that, but that's a byproduct. The number one thing, we have two goals in our program on special teams. Number one, we're going to own the ball. Number two, we're going to get no penalties, right? That, that's what we strive for. Well, owning the ball means having a returner that's going to make great decisions, right? Not, not take risks, not let that ball bounce around. Uh, and really, the, so, the, so when I say that, the number one thing I'm looking for is a great decision maker, right? A guy that's going to – the goal is to get the ball back to our offense. If we can get the ball back to our offense and gain some yardage in doing that, great. But so many times I think, and even some of the best returners I've ever been around, they'll take risks and they they can give up fumbles and make some bad decisions. And we we try to really, you know, without handcuffing guys, we try to really look at great decision makers 
along with the dynamic players. And then, and then like you talk about, there's just an awareness thing. You know, it, I think it's hard if you, if you haven't done it. I, I did it myself, certainly not at this level, but I did it in college. Um, and, and it is a field thing. And, and the best ones, you can coach it, you can work on it, and certainly we do. But the best ones just have a natural feel for it. So then there's kickoff return, a little bit different dynamic. But what are some of the potential options back there that over the next uh, two to three weeks you want to take a serious look at to see if you can, you can build a one-two-three group back there? Yeah, well, I'm I'm really really excited about our kickoff return unit. I, you know, I think that uh, you know, it's something that that we've been great at uh, before I got here. You know, we, we were one of the best in the country and. I think we're going to continue that here you know we i'm really 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 excited about journey brown you know journey's one of the fastest guys to come out of this state in the last 50 years i believe it was a 50-year uh, record that he broke so he's really fast makes great decisions um you know devin ford's the guy that did it last year also very excited you know, we've got a deep running back room and that that usually helps in in return game and oftentimes in special teams in general because those guys rotate on offense so they're available to play some more snaps on special teams as well. Uh, also, you know, in, in that same room, you got Noah Kane, you've got Kaziah Holmes, uh, and then a couple guys again that that have really politicked me and kind of kind of sold me is is uh, Brisker, right? Jaquan Brisker, and then Lamont Wade, as I just referenced. As as you know, you, if you, if you get bored, Google his highlight video from high school. Anybody out there that hasn't done it, uh, he is very special with the ball in his hand. So, and then some younger guys too. You know, I can't name everybody, but I think. When, when I looked at it this morning, I think we've got six or seven guys that I would feel very, very confident in. And, and some of them, you know, really, I mean, very fast home run type of hitters um, where, where if you give us a chance and, and kick the ball to us, it, it, it could be a problem for you. Uh, I've been around, obviously, this for a long time, and there every once in a while you see a really terrific kickoff return guy, but if it wasn't kicked to them and it was actually their turn to block, it was like, ah, eh, not really in the mood. <laughs> uh, so that person that's a little bit up, how special does that person have to be? Because, yeah, they may feel one, but a lot of times they're going to be the one blocking to, to open things up for the, for the returner. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I've seen that before. You know, we, we have enough... To, to be really honest with you, we have enough good choices here that if we think a guy's going to be like that, he's not going to be back there. You know, I mean, there, there's just enough enough other good options where because anymore you don't, you know, as as the years have progressed, kickers are more talented. They can spray the ball all over with with the new rule of being able to fair catch and the ball going to the 25. If people don't want to kick to you, they just kick opposite. And so, really, when I look at it both guys you know in the old days there was like a returner and an off returner but really they're both returners in my opinion so both guys have to be capable of making great decisions number one right as i talked about we're going to own the ball uh getting vertical and getting as much yardage the way that we look at it like the way coach franklin explains it this is the first play of offense right so this is your very first play of offense of the series so who's going to get you know how can we get the most yardage to give our offense the best field position and then again if the ball's not kicked to you, like you just said, you got to go and and have some heart and block. And so, but but as, as honestly, when you chart it, it's not totally even. But there's enough kick to the to the guy that is is you know in the old days was called the off returner that he's really just as much of a returner, and the the primary guy is just as much of a blocker in my opinion. So we try as much as we can. If there is that comes up, we try to weed those guys out to where you got to have both skill sets back there. Joe Lorg. Always a pleasure, Joe. Appreciate you very much. Yeah, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. 
Joe Lorick, special teams coordinator, also works with the linebackers. This is the first day that Penn State gets to put on the pads. It's the first time they have put on the pads since the Cotton Bowl. First time they put on the pads since the Cotton Bowl. They have gone through so far 10 walkthroughs, four preseason practices, 14 skill instruction practices, and now six preseason two practices. This will be the first time today they put on the pads. It's also the first day across the board in the Big Ten. Daily testing begins for every student athlete. So this is a... uh, milestone watershed day in the conference as they move forward. Penn State will open the weekend of October 24th at Indiana. You notice I keep referring it to the weekend because they haven't given us a schedule yet. So, you know, I'm not going to sit there and assume it's on Saturday. I don't know. Uh, We'll have to wait and see what the Big Ten does with its TV schedule. All right, coming up, uh, we'll also hear James Franklin at his press conference. It's also the uh, final day of the agreement between Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball. We'll touch on that later in the show as well. Great to have you with us. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way? The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Finally, have you in a good mood? That's exactly That's right. Okay, now this is what. It, why do I put such an emphasis? And I've talked about this repeatedly. How do you perform when the money is on the table? And I've talked about this repeatedly when it comes to why I look at certain people who are eligible for the Hall of Fame and why postseason means so much in my opinion. Okay? Um, And we saw a perfect example of it last night in what what I talk about all the time. Here is... Shane Bieber is an excellent pitcher. And when you look at his stats, you are blown away. Would that be fair? Oh, definitely. All right, so now let's take a closer look at Shane Bieber's season. How many wins did he have this year? Is he five, five and zero, oh, something like that? What was he? Uh, I'd have to look that. I think that sounds about right. Yeah. Okay. Well, 
Who were the five wins against? The five wins were against the Pirates, the Kansas City Royals, and the Detroit Tigers. Your odds of having an ERA of 0.93 to go with talent, and Bieber's talent, he's a very good pitcher. But he played and pitched against some of the worst lineups baseball has seen in years. Detroit's lineup is terrible. Right? The Pirates lineup is terrible. And the Royals lineup is terrible. And this year you didn't go you didn't stray. You you pitched against people in your division and against the National League Central. His five wins were against those three teams. According to baseball reference, he was eight and one with a one six three ERA, but exactly right. I mean that that's right. majority of five of, his people five are of those, those wins. Five of those wins are against those teams. Right. With terrible lineups. So why do I put such an emphasis on postseason? Number one, you're pitching against or hitting against the best rotations and the best lineups. Over and over and over again. And there's another stat too, Steve. He only gave up five earned runs in the entire postseason, or in the entire regular season. He gave up seven, of course, against the Yankees last night. There again is because all you he need had, to know. Because, again, he faced a lineup. And it, the Astros just took the lead in the Twins, by the way, 2-1. But that's the issue. The issue, that's why I always talk about people, you talk about postseason play when it comes to players too much. No, I do not. That, to me, becomes a determining factor. You can rack up all the wonderful, marvelous, incredible regular seasons you want. If you don't get it done in the postseason, you're going to struggle. with. I don't have a vote for it, but you would struggle with my vote. You would struggle with it. And the reason you'd struggle with it is for that reason. That okay on an everyday basis for two weeks you're gonna face the best lineup going. How do you do? More pressure in every pitch. How do you do? It's a little bit different than hey, let's get to the Kansas City Royals on July 23rd. I, I mean it's a completely different deal. That's why I have said over and over again, I don't care what you think about his politics. Politics do not enter into this at all. If you do that, then you're ignorant. All right? Kurt Schilling should be in the Hall of Fame because when the money was on the table with Philadelphia, with Arizona, and with Boston, he was 11-2 and in the biggest games of his career, and he didn't do it in one postseason. He did it in several postseasons. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 at Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Uh, by the way, before we get to Jerry Dulac, uh, it was the 
what pretty much was assumed was confirmed today by James Franklin that, yes, they did talk with Micah Parsons about whether to opt in or stay out. And in the end, Micah Parsons will stay out. And thus you move forward with Ellis Brooks, Jesse Lucetta, who moves into that spot, and Brandon Smith as your top three linebackers. And today is the first day they can throw on some pads and get to it. And it's also the first day across the Big Ten of daily testing. Daily testing. With that, we bring in the outstanding Jerry Dulac, who uh, over and over again uh, proves everyone why he's one of the best in the business. Jerry, welcome back. Great to have you with us. Well, Steve, uh, good to chat with you. You know, I always enjoy being on the show, and I I know everyone's excited because uh, they're going to play some Big Ten football, and I didn't know today was the first day for testing and everything, but good for them. Yep, and that's that's the next step. Now we know in testing what happened with Tennessee. One of them is former Nittany Lion Daquan Jones, who was put on the COVID-19 list. He's one of the three players. So what about the postponement? What does that do? It's not it's not this week, but what does that potentially do for the week after for the Steelers? Well, you know, one, it's going to depend on when they play, uh, Steve, whether it's going to be Monday or Tuesday. I would imagine the league would prefer to do it on Monday uh, rather than, you know, shorten the week extremely uh, for uh, the Steelers and the Titans the following week. Um, that would be two short weeks then for for the Titans. Um, but uh, but I will tell you that uh, if anybody watched an NFL practice uh, during the regular season, they would realize it's not very grueling, and so a, a short week would probably actually be welcome by some of the veterans. Even though I know it's still early in the season and they haven't had preseason games, but it wouldn't present a big hardship and. You know what? I mean, Mike Tomlin always preaches to the guys. He likes to use the expression, be light on your feet. And they're going to have to be light on their feet this week to adapt, even though they get an extra day. And next week, they'll be light on their feet if they get one or two fewer days. And they'll handle it, and it'll be fine. And um, it won't. It, people will probably want to make it an issue. But trust me, if you go watch a practice and you realize how many veterans get the first day off, uh, it won't be an issue at all. This is also a league that plays Sunday, Monday, and Thursday. So, I mean, even though mentally you know going into a week what it's supposed to be, they've done short weeks or longer weeks often during the course of their careers anyway, especially the veterans. Yeah, there's no question about it. And playing a Thursday night game after a Sunday game is is even more difficult than, than this would be. So um, I, I will tell you this, though, too, Steve. The one thing the league does not want to do is they do not want to reschedule this game for October 25th, which was mentioned as a scenario by people because it would have been easy to do because it involved uh, the, the, uh, the, you know, it was an open date for the Titans. They could have played there. Steelers could have moved their game with Baltimore to the following week because each of them had the same bye week, November 1st. But the last thing the league wants to do is start rescheduling future games because this is just one instance, and while it was convenient, it could have been convenient. Um, what happens if this happens two, three, four more times? And then all of a sudden you're trying to reschedule games for the future. And then teams saying, well, you did it for them. Why don't you do it for us? Well, it doesn't work that way. And, and that's right. the last thing they want. Now you're really interfering with their scheduling and delaying things. And, and you know, the reality in this situation, Steve, is, is I know this is a global problem and certainly a societal problem. But in this instance, it's the Titans' problem. 
And, and you know, even Ben Roethlisberger mentioned this today. Not that he blamed them, but, you know, this is incumbent on every player and every team in the league, but every player to be diligent about what they do. And if one of the Titans players or coaches weren't diligent about what they did or where they went, well, they're going to pay the price for it. And, and this could be it. And so, um, you know, the league isn't going to say, okay, you have this problem, we're going to reschedule your game. They knew this going in. It's been said to them since the preseason about how to, uh, you know, try and take care of yourself, protect your team, protect your teammates, and and that this didn't happen. The league's not going to give them a pardon and say, no, okay, we'll reschedule your game. No. They want them to play this week, and that's why they went to the expanded practice squad. That's why they put six veterans on the practice squad for these exact instances. Exactly. That was actually the point I'd made about the baseball season with the Cardinals and the Marlins. I mean, why do you have all those players, 30-some-odd players, sitting for, in the Cardinals' case in Springfield? What, you're just right. going to let and, them sit there? And, and, right, go and play. They, and they, they know, Steve, that this problem could have happened, and it's remarkable when you think that since August 28th, I believe, they've administered, I can't remember the number, whether it's like 40,000 tests, and they've had like eight positives among the players. Uh, it, it's incredible that uh, they, there's been so few, but that's because they've been very, very careful. They had a laid-out plan, what they wanted to do, and I commend them for their plan. It's it's worked to this date. Yeah. I expect it to continue working. Are there going to be some hiccups? Yes. Uh, but they are prepared to deal with it. And, of course, I'm used to when we started out, I mentioned college football. College football starts the season. They go. Uh, the NFL has had preseason games, and it's been more and more limited over time as to how, how many snaps veterans get in those games. But what have you thought about the level of play, considering that game one was game one, and that's where they started? You know, to be honest, Steve, I thought it would actually be a little sloppier than, than what we've seen. Um, yeah, I thought too. there would be a lot more penalties than what we've seen, and maybe maybe the officials are a little rusty and a little sloppy. But now the Steelers were penalized last week quite a few times, not this past Sunday, the second game against the Broncos. But their, their first game and last week's game, they were barely penalized. So um, I just thought it would be more like the second game. You'd see more pass interference, more holdings. And there have been very few of those, and there have been very few false starts. Um, so what I was expecting and the level I've seen um, is, are two different things. Now, is Ben a little rusty and, and, and trying to get a little more comfortable? Yeah, and he admits it. But, but you know what? If, if Rusty is throwing uh, a seven touchdown passes and one interception, then I think he'll take Rusty and uncomfortable. So, um, you know, they're 3-0, and oh, and uh, it doesn't matter who they beat. Uh, they're three and zero, and that's going to happen. That's going to happen in an NFL season. The bottom line is, if you're a good team, Steve, you beat the teams you're supposed to beat. In those years when the Steelers have missed the playoffs, they haven't beaten the teams they're supposed to beat, which to me means they're not a good team. The good teams take care of their business, and that's what the Steelers have done the first three games. Exactly right, because the NFL doesn't do a poll. I mean, they look at they go, "You're three and zero. You're in first place." That's what they right. do. There's, as our as our friend Tom Bradley once told me, this isn't a prom date. You're just trying to win the game. <laughs> That's exactly right. And what one of the great football philosophers ever, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. yes, he is. <laughs> All right. So we talked about level of play, and you mentioned Ben Roethlisberger in there. Uh, sometimes presence. It's a loose word. It, it can be a vague word, but if you're around it enough, you know it. 
What does his presence just mean to what they're doing offensively? Well, uh, two things. His presence among his teammates is is a is a comfort is a comfort level. It's a trust level. It's knowing that your guy has been in every situation and, and succeeded. It's knowing that your guy has won championships. And his presence on the other side of the ball means they can't gang up to stop the run and dare Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges to beat you uh, because they have the same respect for the guy. They know what he's done, whether it's game-winning drives or, or winning playoff games or winning championships. So his presence goes on both sides of the ball uh, and, and to, you know, uh, to, the, to the opponent's side of the ball as well. And, and having him in that huddle, you know, he has seen everything. Uh, they know he can run the no huddle. They trust him. And, and it's, it's just implicit. You see the connection he has with Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, you know, and, and so I've always believed, Steve, uh, I've always subscribed to the theory that uh, uh, good wide receivers don't make a quarterback better, but good or great quarterbacks make wide receivers better. Yes. And Ben being in the game and being around, his presence in that huddle makes all the difference in the world. There's another part, too, Jerry, and we've talked about this before, but teams sometimes, in fact, most of the time, they play offense to what their defense is or they play defense to what their offense is. Because the Steeler offense has more efficiency and more punch to it, are you seeing the Steeler defense maybe take a chance or two that maybe they wouldn't have taken in the past when they knew they couldn't move the ball offensively? Well, here's the funny part about that question, and but relative to your question. Last year when they lost Ben Roethlisberger, they knew when they had Mason Rudolph, uh, they, they had a goal that were probably going to have to limit the opponent to 17 points a game. Then when, Hodge, when uh, Rudolph went out and Duck Hodges went in, then they refocused and said, okay, now we have to hold the opponent to 14 points a game because they knew what they're dealing with, two quarterbacks who had never played in an NFL game. Well, that goes out the window with Ben because now your, de- uh, your defense knows you have an offense that could come back and score. But the funny part about that is, despite that, Steelers led the league in sacks and, and they led the league in takeaways last year, and, this, and, and they only had the lead in 16 of 64 quarters. Typically, right. teams that lead the league in, in sacks and takeaways are teams that play with the lead and teams that could take chances. And yet here were the Steelers playing from behind. What's the math on that? 75% of the time last year still had the type of defense that could be aggressive and take the ball away. So uh, uh, in normal circumstances, I would agree that's the case. But uh, last year, the Steelers were the antithesis of that. They, They took the ball away and played aggressive sacking defense despite always trailing. Uh, Monday night, the Ravens played the Chiefs. And if you go back and look at the last two losses the Ravens have, there's a distinct pattern at each one. They fell behind in each one. Tennessee, right. you know, got on top of them. And then the Chiefs got on top of them. Because of what the Steelers have done, are they more capable of now doing that? Because it seems to be because of the style of play with the Ravens, because they do love to run the football and eat the clock. And they don't appear to be a great comfort behind team. What does that do now for that matchup down the road with the Steelers' ability to maybe play with a lead instead of doing what you just talked about, trying to play from behind? Well, I think that would give them a great uh, advantage or a great boost when playing the Ravens. I will say this. 
they've done a representable job against Lamar Jackson. And I can tell you this as well, Steve. Um, their defensive coordinator and their defensive staff, their priority number one in the offseason was figuring out how to limit and, and contain Lamar Jackson. I mean, that's the team in front of them. You know, they believe to get to get anywhere in the playoffs, you have to be able to get out of your division. And right now, getting out of your division means beating the Baltimore Ravens and stopping Lamar Jackson. So that was a big focal point for them in the offseason. Um, but, and I think you have seen the one advantage when you're talking about, say, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. And I really like Lamar Jackson. He's a better thrower than I thought. I think Agreed. he's darn near unstoppable. But the difference between Mahomes and Kansas City is Kansas City gets down 14 or 21 points. They're not out of the game. That guy can bring you back from any deficit. Whereas Lamar Jackson's his um, abilities, not so much his abilities, but how he can hurt you now is taken away because the element of the run is taken away, and he has to go back and throw. And that's not to say he's not that he's a bad thrower. It's but he's not Patrick Mahomes when it comes to throwing the football. So yes, the key to the Ravens is trying to get on top of him. If you're playing even with him or behind, they're really difficult because of Lamar uh, because of Lamar Jackson. Uh, one last question. I'm going to ask this about Bud Dupree. Everybody develops on their own clock. You and I know that. It's everyone wants to assign success or failure after one or two years. So on his clock, what's allowed him to then start to blossom into what we're seeing right now? You know, Steve, go back, um, say, two years. The Steelers really liked what Bud Dupree did. Um probably more so than the fans because the fans don't see the sacks. They don't see the finished plays. They see a guy running upfield and running himself out of the plays. But the coaches, uh, the head coach, the general manager didn't see that. They, uh, the defensive coordinator didn't see that. They liked what Bud did. And last year, he finished plays. Um, I think it helped when they switched sides for him. Um, flip-flop T and uh, T.J. Watt. Uh Bud played himself into a nice franchise tag uh, number this year, sixteen, almost $16 million. Ideally, the Steelers would probably like to franchise him one more year. They were never going to sign him to a long-term deal, uh, Steve. They just can't because that money is going to go to T.J. Watt, and Bud knows that. But now with a reduced salary cap next year, which is all but a foregone conclusion, um, it's going to be hard to put the franchise tag on him again for another 16 or 17 million, uh, especially when T- they, they want to do T.J. Watt, J- J- uh, Juju Smith-Schuster's up, James Conner will be up. Uh, so that's going to be difficult to do. But Bud has always been a freakish player. Uh, he, you know, he's, he's 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 a big man, physically strong, and can run, and very athletic. And he just, you know, he's one of those guys that it just started to to put it all together and uh, learn uh, how to play with some with some controlled fury, if you will. And uh, you know, he's been a, he's been a force on that defense. There's no question. Jerry, always a pleasure. Really appreciate it so much. All my best to you and your family, and I uh, hope your uh, daughter's doing well up at Penn State. Well, Steve, she is, and I don't know if your producer told you this or not, but I was uh, actually uh, in your uh, town just a little bit ago to visit my daughter. So I was up in State College, drove past the stadium, and I thought, oh, I'd like to see some people in there. Yeah, so would I. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you would. And at some point, by the way, I can't wait to see you. So I appreciate the time you gave us. 
You got it, brother. Always good chatting with you, Steve. You too. The great Jerry Dulac joining us, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Steelers Network. You know, you always enjoy those high-level conversations. Um, as opposed to the Monday staff meeting. I, um, but I'm sorry. Did I, did I blurt that out? You did, but, you know. <laughs> sorry, I couldn't help that. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll come back with more in a moment. Great to have you with us today on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. Right. Uh, back uh, brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street and Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Keywords 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. This is the last day of the agreement between Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball. Uh, it was expected that Major League Baseball would just let the agreement expire, which it's going to. It is now down to 32 teams that will be eliminated. You're saying, okay, well, what do you mean? I thought it was 42. Well, because they have already made a decision with the Appalachian League. The Appalachian League, which are all owned by major league teams, and so they're all going to have to rebrand because they take on the nickname of their of their franchise. So Bluefield is the Bluefield Blue Jays, Johnson City is the Johnson City Cardinals, and so forth. So they're all going to rebrand with new nicknames and so forth, and they're going to be a wooden back college summer league, the Appalachian League. They'll be a, playing a 54-game schedule starting next year. So that takes the number from 160 down to 150, and that means there are 32 teams now that are looking, uh, are waiting anxiously to find out what their fate happens to be. So that's step number one. So, again, the Appalachian League leads off minor league contraction. So that's 10. But those are also 10 we assumed. We assumed those 10 were out. So that that's not an unknown. That's not a surprise. Anything like that. But we, we've been telling you the entire time that we'll do everything we can to update you on what's going on with the idea of what's going on with Williamsport, what's going on with State College. Uh, I know Major League Baseball has replaced the infield and the foul territory at Bowman Field. They've done that. Uh, I think they left the outfield intact, from what I understand. So there's that. Uh, but it's also our responsibility to keep you updated on all that stuff. So that's what we're doing when it comes to that. There's a lot going on with football. Uh, we're going to talk about the basketball ratings and about baseball broadcast in the next half hour because there's... the NBA is really struggling not a little bit a lot Micah Parsons his career at Penn State is now officially done we'll talk more about that in the next half hour as well all this brought to you by Sunbury Motors 4th Street in Sunbury Sunbury Motors Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Lincoln Kia Hyundai. Great pre-owned inventory. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com on News Radio 1070 WKOK.